This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 297. Part of it is remembering what you've accomplished so far and celebrating that, remembering the accomplishment and then taking time to celebrate. I always like to ask my clients, what have you accomplished or learned in the last week? And celebrate with them. So many people don't celebrate. And it's a huge resiliency characteristics. And there's health benefits and team benefits. So if you're working with teams and other clients, help them to celebrate, even if it's just a goofy, you know, little high five or a sticker. You'd be surprised what executives and students will do for stickers. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello and welcome to the show. It is fabulous to have you here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I'm an executive coach as well as a coach instructor and a mentor coach. And this show is all about how coaching can impact the world. So I welcome you, whether this is your first visit to the show or you're in hundreds of visits, we are delighted to have you here. And it occurred to me this morning as I was prepping for the show that when this show goes live, the morning that this show goes live, I'm going to actually be on the road driving from Texas to Michigan with my brother to spend some time with my mom, who is in the last stages of her life. And she has been such an incredible mom and such a a visionary for us and a support. And I'm just truly blessed to have had two of the most wonderful parents in the world. We lost my dad a few years ago now. And and it just, it occurred to me as I was prepping this show about resiliency and how we show up with our clients and help them build their bounce back muscles, how sort of ironic it is that that I'm going to be sort of on this road trip with my brother, which is a silver lining and sort of a joy of it as well that we get to spend, we made the decision with all the craziness that's going on with air travel right now and increasing numbers with the uh, COVID virus that we thought, you know what, let's do a road trip together. So he is going to take a short trip here from Vegas, and then we're going to get in a car and drive together. And I think we're going to have some of these great conversations that my guest, Teresa Bittner, and I talk about in this interview about things to focus on when we are building that bounce back muscle, when we are looking at how we show up in the face of change, how we show up in the face of grief. And and so it's just sort of serendipity. I hadn't realized at the time that I was plotting out the shows that this show was actually the show that was going to be live as I was venturing on my road trip. So with that being said, I just am so glad to be sharing this important information with you and introducing all of you to my fantastic guest. Teresa Bittner is a professional certified coach. She partners with those who have been knocked down by life and really want to bounce back to live a bold one. She's a coach, a speaker, and an author. 
and specializes in resiliency, change, and loss because change happens in life and work. Building resiliency and learning steps for surviving and thriving admits that constant change sets apart those who live boldly and those who sort of live in fear. So her life passion is helping others build resiliency into their lives so that when life gets hard, because it will and it does, they can bounce back. She is the author of Soul Love, How a Dog Taught Me to Breathe Again, and she is passionate about giving back. She volunteers with the ICF Austin chapter. She's a former board member. She was secretary and community outreach director, and she also serves on the advisory council. She provides pro bono coaching to Women for Change coaching community and coaches women in poverty. And she's also a stand beside them coach, which is coaching for veterans and their spouses. Teresa is so open and vulnerable in this interview. She shares her own grief journey, what sort of directed her into working with people around resiliency. I think that's a lesson that many of us can learn from. Like, what have we experienced that we then bring forward in our businesses and in the work that we do? I am delighted to introduce you to Teresa Bittner. Let's go to our interview and learn about how we can coach people toward resiliency, help them build those bounce back muscles. And on the other side, uh, we'll share some really incredible resources with you. So let's go to my interview with Teresa. Teresa Bittner, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Oh, it's awesome to have you here. And we're going to be talking about this important issue of how do we coach someone around resiliency? We're going to be talking about what exactly is resiliency? Why would we want to coach somebody around resiliency? All those great things. And just really adding more tools to uh, coaches' toolboxes. Love to start, Teresa, with what a, a little bit about your coaching journey and what's led you to really focusing on resiliency. Yeah, I know I'd be happy to share. So I didn't know I was resilient growing up, but apparently I was. So growing up in an alcoholic abusive home or other traumatic home may make you more resilient or your clients more resilient. So tune into that. Fast forward to, you know, here I am. I'm a professional in high tech. My background is in computer science and high tech development. So I was a software developer and a program manager and then a manager and then an executive. And all that was fantastic. But we had two kids and my husband was late husband was also in the high tech world. And we we're both trying to be executives. Somebody had to get farmed out. It was the kids or one of us had to do something. So I made a huge career change. I decided after 16 years, a fabulous career. You know what? I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to do this. I'm burned out. Didn't know making big changes like that was a career thing. It's like, what, isn't that what everybody does? No. <laughs> so I thought what it'd a be a courageous thing. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things resilient people have are kind of like, yeah, this isn't working for me. So I'll do something different. I'm not going to stay in this grind because it was very unhealthy. I mean, at 30, the doctor's like, you're not having a heart attack, sweetie. You're going to die. You're eating too much stress for lunch. 
Wow. I was like, oh, yeah, development. Thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom. The kids and husband were like, mm, you need to go find something to do. So I was like, oh, I quit so I could be a better mom. So I'll volunteer at the school. Quickly found out, oh, no, we really want you to become a teacher. I'm like, huh, I don't. I'm not a teacher. They're like, go get certified. You can go get a certificate in Texas. Okay. So I went and became a middle school science teacher. Total change. Total change. Total change, but not really. Because all my whole life, I always wanted to help other people. But when I wanted to get a psychology degree, dad was like, mm, no, I'm not paying for you to do that. Go be a computer science person. You'll make better money and it's less school. I didn't know. So I started being a middle school science teacher. And strangely enough, it was in a Title I high-risk school. So that really, to be resilient, I had to really change. Like, I can't just bark orders because they're not my employees. I'm <laughs> not an executive anymore. So I learned some new techniques of how to be with people, especially kids. And about that time, the second year of it is this is when my resiliency really took a, I, sh- I was not resilient. My first husband was killed in a motorcycle accident. I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you. That sucked. And up until that point, if you had asked me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I get deaf. I get lost. Sure. Lots of people died in my family. I had friends and relatives commit suicide and cancer and illnesses. I had employees die. Whatever. I got it. I did not get it. No. At all. So here I was instantly, boom, in the shake of a moment, a widow, a single mom, no longer on a big high-tech salary or even two. Now I'm on a teacher's salary. And we lived in a beautiful ranch. Uh, and the boys at that time were a freshman and senior in high school. What difficult ages to lose a dad <sighs> too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. My, my family therapy genes are coming back out again right now. Yeah. So that journey really was challenging. I, I wouldn't say I was highly resilient. I was, but I didn't know it at the time because I had one goal. I was like, okay, I have to keep the house, can't go to jail, and I need to get the boys graduated from high school. I had goals. And that's a huge resiliency skill is having goals that we know as coaches, we can help our clients with those. So by having those goals, I, you know, I knew what I needed to do. Okay, you got to go back to work. You got to do this. You got to do this. So slowly I built it back. And I would say definitely faith, family, and friends, having a good network helps you be resilient. Um, At one point, I wasn't coping too well. And I was coping through eating and drinking way too much. Thanks to well-meaning friends, do not bring your friend who's grieving a case of wine that likes wine. That's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Note to self, not helpful. (laughs) A bottle of wine, perhaps. Oh, here, Teresa, have another case. I'm like, I don't need another case. So there was a point in time where I lost control at work. I was yelling at a colleague and my friend was like, girlfriend, you need to get help. I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't want to get help. I'm scared I'm going to get addicted. I can't get on medicine. She's like, no, you need to get help. That's another resiliency trait, having somebody tell you you need help and or guide you and being able to accept help and go get help. I did. So with therapy and counseling, um, we made it through. The boys went through counseling. I'm happy to say we're all doing great. I'm a Mimi. I'm a grandma. They're both married. Life is wonderful. I'm remarried. Congratulations. So so through that, many times when we go into a helping profession, we become our own ideal client, like the (laughs) very path that we've walked, the journey that we've been on influences who we choose to coach, who, what kinds of focus our coaching brings. And and Mm -hmm. you are somebody who focuses on resiliency, who has lived through some really challenging things in your life. Bless you for that. And, and so if we were to start with that concept of how do we coach someone around resiliency, let's start with what do you mean when you say uh, resiliency? 
good question. I didn't know that. And during my whole grieving period, people are like, oh, you're so strong, Teresa, you're resilient. I'm like, what does that even mean? So I started reading and researching. So for me, resiliency, my favorite definition is to be able to withstand and or recover quickly from difficult conditions. And in my mind, I think of a spring. You push a spring, it springs back. You pull it, you spring back. It's the whole bounce back in my website and everything. So bouncing back. There is another definition from uh, Webster's that also resonates with some people. It's the ability to become strong, healthy, or successful after a change happens. And that image is if you ever see a tree or a plant growing on the hilly rock side, and you're like, how in the world does that grow there? Or in Texas, like in the middle of the road in the summer, you're like, how does anything grow there? So that's what it means to be resilient. So it's more than surviving. That's the first stage. It's going beyond that and you know, having your life again and thriving again. Love that. So as Teresa was sharing her visual of growing through difficult circumstances, I had a flash of a memory when I was at the Grand Canyon this past year. My sister said, take a picture of that tree that's growing out of the side of the canyon and do a blog post about resiliency. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) There you have it. I have the picture. I haven't done the blog post yet. So, so, (laughs) so important. And when we think, and the other thing that sort of has always spoken to me is Lisa Nichols talks about bounce back muscles, building our bounce Mm -hmm. back muscles. And so when you were talking about the spring and pushing and bouncing about, you know, those building those muscles to be able to bounce back is a a key element, I would think. And and Mm -hmm. so let me ask you, is it possible to build resiliency or are you resilient or not resilient? Oh, it's absolutely possible to build it. And Sheryl Sandberg has a quote, I can't remember all of it, but it's a muscle. And we can all, and I firmly believe with education and knowledge, everybody can build their resiliency. Some people are just more naturally resilient than others. It's kind of a glass half empty. The half full people are more resilient for those listening. So those are some things to think about is, and now, you know, and there's some, I can ask some questions and we can find out how resilient are you? And you may be really resilient in one area, but not in the other. So part of it is kind of assessing your own resiliency with change, especially. Now, is that something that somebody might do with a coach, kind of assess their resiliency? How would you assess somebody's resiliency with them? Well, there's, well, I have, I have a questionnaire, but a quick way is to inquire about their beliefs about change. Albert Ellis's rational emotive behavior model is one. So think about it. Your beliefs about change impact your resiliency. So if I say, oh, you're getting an update tomorrow on your computer, you might be like, Oh, yippee, I can't wait to update and have the whiz bang. And you're like, oh my God, they're going to screw everything up. Nothing's going to work. That's right. Uh, every time there's an update, <laughs> I just don't get past it. Yeah. Exactly. And so think about your belief about it. How will that impact your resiliency if there is a bug, which, okay, maybe there always is. So that's just a little silly example of what resiliency and your belief about a change can be. So much more impactful, like when the pandemic came, we thought the world was going to end. Some people bounced back quickly. Some people didn't. Some people are still having a struggle bouncing back. So those beliefs can really impact your change, your resiliency and the ability to change. So those are some questions you can ask. I got lots of different questions. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to go through some of the characteristics of what it looks like? Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's let's look at that. So one of the characteristics, and this is one of the key ones, is looking at change as an opportunity. One of the moments right after I started my coaching business officially in 2014, my mom got sick with congestive heart failure and I was doing the remote caregiving 
and she eventually died. But I remember one of those moments crying, raining in Florida, miserable. And all I could remember is hearing my coach's voice, where's the opportunity in this? What could you learn? And I was just like, Whoa, I could learn the stupid elder care system in America. But that helped me go, okay, what can I learn from this situation? How can I be different? So looking at change as an opportunity. And then the other piece of that is accepting change as a part of life. My favorite picture is a picture of a beautiful butterfly going from the chrysalis to a butterfly. We are the only things in nature that fight change as much as we do. Think about that. So if change is a natural part of life, a natural part of evolution, what do you, what's your experience in some of the reasons why people push against change so dramatically? Sure. It, there's lots of different reasons. A lot of it stems around the unknown and the fear of the unknown. Think, of, I mean, the pandemic's the easy example, but you get a diagnosis, you change jobs, you're going to change careers, whatever happens, you know, oh my goodness, I have to do this new program at work. We don't always know all the answers and our human brain does not like that. So it comes up with stories and limiting beliefs, and we always go back to what we knew, and that might not help us. So the fear, the other thing with change is sometimes it affects our personal well-being. It can be our status, our influence, our income could be affected. And any of those things, you start messing you know, with my, me and my stuff, that, we don't like that either. Humans <laughs> are like, right. no, 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 don't mess with my stuff. And a lot of it is we like comfort. We like to do the same old thing, even if the same old thing isn't good. I mean, if you think about those in you know, abusive relationships, it's comfort. That a lot of times right. we know what this is. We know what crazy looks like. So we're going to stay in crazy or just sort of that concept of uh, I'm dancing with the devil. I know instead of changing up my partner. Ah. Now, the other thing that I not all change is bad, but and being cautious about bad and good and those kinds of things. But still, the reality is, even if your client has a great change ahead of them, that's offering all these possibilities and opportunities that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to face some resistance from that because all change creates some level of stress, whether it's the yeah. fear of the unknown, whether it's just not being the what ifs, you know, the endless mm -hmm. what ifs. So when we think about, I'm wondering on, on our path to exploring, how do we coach somebody around mm -hmm. resiliency? If we might create a scenario, if we might create a scenario, if we have a client Mm. who is facing, and we can decide whether it's a, a challenge or an opportunity and some of the stories they might tell themselves and then some of the ways we might coach around that. So what oh. do you think about painting a picture of a fictitious client and us talking yes. about how we would coach them? Yes. New job opportunity and getting married. Two big changes. Wow. Yes. Okay. So we've got a client who has this new <laughs> job opportunity and they're getting married. Are we going to make our client a male or a female? Whatever you wish to make it. <laughs> oh. So we have a female client who has a new opportunity for a promotion. It is going to involve that she relocate, but she's engaged and about to get married. And her fiance is supporting whatever decision she makes. And she's feeling a bit of a mess. And she comes to see you. What, <laughs> where would you, where would you even begin in such a situation? Wow, that's a lot. You've got that to move. Is. Acknowledgement is part of it. It's acknowledging, wow, you're moving, you got a career change, and you're changing your life. And then I would ask, which one of these is giving you the most angst, 
concern, anxiety, whatever they named, it was giving them. Mm-hmm. Asking kind of like, which one is it? Which is the biggest one that's, you know, causing you pause? And having a client very similar to this, it was the job opportunity, not the getting married, although that was, there was some stuff there. Of course, it's always the other family, not her. Right. <laughs> but it was the job. And it ended up being a confidence thing. We, I, we coached around it. And one of the things was asking about her, she felt like the imposter syndrome. And that can be a sign of a resiliency confidence mismatch. Yeah, mismatch. So yeah. first thing I want everybody to hear is that as with many things that we do as a, as a coach, Teresa said she started with chunking it down. We don't deal with the big swirl and just get caught up in that swirl with the mm-hmm. client. What piece of that is makes the most sense to start with? Which piece is mm-hmm. creating the most discomfort or whatever it is that the client labels that? And begin there. So if you're focused on resiliency and you're beginning there and and you talked Mm -hmm. about with this client, you just kind of peeled back the layers until you got Mm -hmm. to that. It's really about confidence. Am I really Mm -hmm. capable to take on this new job? The whole imposter syndrome thing. What, what else might, so, so let's say you, you begin to uncover those things, but you still have all these changes facing this Mm -hmm. person maybe there's still some resistance to fully engaging in the change. What else would we pay attention to? Control. Oftentimes we get lost in what it could have, should have, what if, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, let's deal with the, you know, bring it back down to reality. Uh, What are the facts about the situation? You can always ask them, uh, what's the story you're telling yourself or what's, you know, give me three stories. I listened to your uh, last podcast. And sometimes there's a lot of stories people make up or that's our brain filling in, doing what it does. So let's get down to the fact of what are the, what is happening? And then from those facts, what do you have control of? Excellent. And when we can help clients understand where their control lies and how to engage that control mm-hmm. in whatever way makes sense for them, what does that do for their, for their bounce back? Oh my gosh. So with the stories, we often come up with the facts and then I always ask them what's true about it, what's not sign of the facts. And then what do you want to be true? So we do kind of a visioning of, oh, how would I like to deal with this change? And it might sound like that. It might say, okay, you know, if they're really stuck, what would you tell someone else? That part. And then from there, we go into, okay, we've got the changes. You know what you can control. What's the next step now? You know, now that you have your control, what do you feel like might be a next step for dealing with this change? Or how do you want to approach it would be another question. Such good questions. So this, this kind of came through my mind as, as you were sharing that. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that there are, so we think about coaching being transactional and coaching being transformational. I mean, we can, mm-hmm. we can kind of fall into both. And as you're talking about this, I can imagine that where the real sweet sauce comes in is how we help somebody not just deal with a particular situation, but begin to move that into more transformation mm-hmm. in how do you deal with change as a whole? Or how do you, what is your view of life's opportunities as a whole? So can you share a little bit about your perspective of that? Oh, bingo. That was one of my next questions is, is looking at change as an opportunity, ask what are the opportunities available to you right now? And sometimes we break that into personally, professionally, you know, do you have any resources? That's another thing. The opportunities people forget, oh, 
Another way is to ask them, hey, what changes and things have you been through before? It's unlikely this is the first change they've had. Uh, And remember, what resources did you use? Were they physical resources, finances, people, networks? Uh, Who can you have support you? All kinds of things like that to help them realize there's more than what they have and they can move beyond their current thinking of that. I always like to ask, you know, what do you want to change right now? And so that, that, can, that became really scary because I'm like, we're talking about change. I don't want to change anything. No, what do you yeah. want to change right now? How about right now? What's, yeah, I love that. So, you know, I often share with my students that when a client comes into session, many times their view is very, very small. They're kind of swirling around a particular thing. Mm-hmm. They're looking through a very small aperture. And I would think that somebody who is facing change and maybe resistant to change, that's really small that they're looking through. So everything Teresa's talking about hopefully begins to open that up and create new possibility, new, because it's super hard to see a whole lot (laughs) through a pinhole. Um, But as, as you can begin to get the, the client to challenge themselves to look through other Mm -hmm. angles to look from, you know, what's one change that you could make in the next couple of days? What's small change? What's, you know, that begins to kind of pry pry their fingers open a little bit, right? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, And I also like to remind people, change is temporary. It's a season of life. So sometimes we make a big deal. Some clients, like we call it, we either paint pictures or they write a story, you know, find out what is the season of life? What are you going to call, you know? What's the next season or the next chapter in your book to help them remember the feelings that you have are not forever. This is a time, you know, it was a season of life of mom. I'm dealing with dad and memory care now. It's a season of life. It's not Mm -hmm. forever. And then also we, um, and this is just a whole different and learning new skills. Can you learn some new skills while you're doing this? Oh, love that. Yeah. So it's like everything you say, yeah, you're no, and I I apologize. I didn't mean to step on you, but that concept of everything can kind of lead to an opportunity, an opportunity of Mm -hmm. new skills, an opportunity of new way of thinking. So you, you, but you just said something really important. Ah, yeah. Uh, Resilient people are learners. Are learners. Yes, they are learners and they're constantly learning. And it might be professionally. It might be personally. You know, sometimes you get to learn things you don't want to know. I mean, I got to learn all about memory care in Florida and now in Texas. (laughs) How to deal with your parents' estate. You know, did I sign up for that? Was that on my, you know, to-do list of life? No. But have I learned? Yes. And guess what? It's allowed me to help other people who are going through similar things. And it's let you know that even if I don't like what I have to do, I'm capable. I can do it. There are resources. So when you think about, I, I think the other, one of the things that you said that I find coaches get in their own way about, so I want them to hear this as well, is the whole concept of it is a season of life. It is a place that you're in today. And where I hear coaches get themselves all tangled up is things like, I need my website to be perfect today. Like this is, I can't release my website until it's perfect or I, the name of my business, or am I going to do X or am I going to do Y? And I'm sort of like, I don't know, what are you going to do today? Because you know what? You have the opportunity to change that down so that the concept of whatever I do at this moment is set in concrete, I would think is opposite of resiliency. 
It is because it doesn't, there's no bounce back in concrete. (laughs) What are your thoughts about that? Absolutely. Flexibility and open to possibilities and being able to, you know, take both sides, contemplate and the open fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Having a growth mindset is super important. And yes, and all those things you think you have to have, it's just like, no, you don't listen. Listen to some other coaches. No, you don't. (laughs) It doesn't matter. And guess what? You can always change. Life is all about change. Right. Watch the trees. They change. (laughs) And I'm not making light of any of your concerns. I just want all of you who are listening to know that when we get caught in this decision is going to be the decision for the rest of my life. No wonder we can't make a decision if we've got that kind of pressure on us. And just to kind of open your own perspective about that and think, as I get more resilient, as I get more bouncy and able to respond Mm -hmm. to the different changes in my life, flexibility is a big piece of that. In a positive view of the future, like I make this today, I can see where it's going to take me. Okay. I'm going to survive. If it's not the right decision, it's okay. I will survive. I mean, there are some things we don't survive, but by and large, having confidence in your skills and talents and a belief that you will survive, huge, huge, hugely resilient people have those characteristics and thoughts. Any other characteristics or tendencies that we might want Mm -hmm. to be aware of when we think about resiliency and coaching people towards that resiliency? Yes. If anybody's familiar with the PERMA model from uh, Seligman, that's kind of where some of this comes from. But part of it is remembering what you've accomplished so far and celebrating that remembering the accomplishment and then taking time to celebrate. I always like to ask my clients, what have you accomplished or learned in the last week? And celebrate with them. So many people don't celebrate. And it's a huge resiliency characteristics. And there's health benefits and team benefits. So if you're working with teams and other clients, help them to celebrate, even if it's just a goofy, you know, a little high five or a sticker. You'd be surprised what executives and students will do for stickers. (laughs) (laughs) And t-shirts or whatever. Right. But just that concept of we're always on to the next thing and there's always another demand. And so if what a gift we can give our clients, Mm -hmm. if we say, let's slow down and just celebrate for a minute what it is that you've accomplished. Yeah, I know you're on to the next thing, but here, have Mm -hmm. a sticker. Well, well, and you know, sometimes it's an air five if we're virtual and I have clients, many clients are in high tech and engineers. And I ask someone to share their, you know, how they celebrate. And they're like, I just told you, Teresa. I'm like, oh. All you needed was to be acknowledged. Okay, that's a great celebration to me. I'm like, well, you know, parties, sparkles. (laughs) Some people just want the acknowledgement and somebody to just realize, hey, yeah, you did that hard thing. Go you. So be mindful of how. Something I always coach executives on is ask your employees how they want to be celebrated and are acknowledged. Right. I have a story. I promoted a guy and I thought he needed to be promoted. And he's like, I don't want to be promoted. Take it back or I quit. I was like, wow, I was very early in my 20s and I had no idea. Learn. <laughs> Another thing is gratitude practice. Oh, I'm sure you heard gratitude practice. You might even be rolling your eyes, but a gratitude practice is so key to having a, a positive outlook and it helps you. And if your gratitude, express gratitude towards someone, like, thank you, Meg, for having me on this show, it benefits her too. And it's such an, a powerful thing to do for yourself and others. Excellent. So as we're thinking about, you have brought up so many different elements of resiliency and each and gave us such great tools for questions to ask. Now you, 
are offering a gift to the audience. Can you share a little bit about what that gift is? I am. I have, let's see, how many are there? 26 questions for resiliency. Many of them I've asked today. Some of them I haven't. So I'm happy to give that to you. Just things I've come up with over over the years and presentations that are you know, questions that you can use to build awareness around it, bring that positive mindset, and also give some insight into your clients as well as yourself as a coach, like, oh, they're answering it this way. And hopefully, you know, as we all stay curious and the client stays curious, we become more resilient. Absolutely. And I just have to say, what a wonderful gift that we'll have a link for that uh, on the page for this episode. But what I, I just want to thank you for that, Teresa, because I know how much coaches love great questions. And what I, you know, recommend is that when we have powerful questions or great questions, we maybe read those before we go to bed at night, or we read them at different times. We don't take them necessarily into a session with us yet. We, we build those into our vocabulary. I just had a session (laughs) earlier today with a mentee who said, I have started reading powerful questions out loud when I'm by myself to hear me say them, to hear the inflection to, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just feeling so empowering to her. I, it's just my little soapbox here. (laughs) That's the way that we sort of learn and engage and begin to understand the language around those, not necessarily when you're in front of a client. So I'm just, I'm just, you can, but I'm just saying that in general, Mm -hmm. build those into your vocabulary and then just be present when you're with a client Mm -hmm. and they will roll out for you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I would not suggest. Number six. <laughs> yes. Excuse me while I look up number six here around resiliency, but I such a great gift and thank you so much for that. So our time is coming to a close and I'm just curious, is there anything that we have left on the table or any sort of summary that you want to give around the importance of how we show up as a coach when we're helping someone build their resiliency? Remember that everybody has a different tolerance and or level of resiliency, you may be like, woohoo, I'm the change coach, let's kick tail and go change. Your client may not be there. So remember, there's different people have different comfort levels with change. Be mindful of that. Be aware yourself. And I also think a great thing to do is kind of take your own resiliency pulse. Find out where you are on a scale of one to 10 or something. You can use the questions as kind of an inventory. Other thing are great clients and coaches will make a plan to build them. I continually build by reading and looking out and reading. I just love to talk about it. So uh, make that plan because planning and taking action on your plan, you have to do both, are superpowers in resilience. So good. Now, what about, can you tell everybody about your book? Oh, my book. I certainly can. Oh my goodness. I don't have my copy in front of me, but yes. Uh, so my story of the loss of my husband and that whole journey, people kept saying, oh, Teresa, write a book. I was like, I am not writing a book. The universe God kept saying, write the book. I'm like, I don't want to write the book. Finally wrote the book. I published it in 2018 and it is called Soul Love, How a Dog Taught Me to Breathe Again. And it is the story, it goes through, it's a real visceral story of what grief looks like. It was, I tell the story and there's a dog in the book and the dog tells all of the stuff that me as a human being was very embarrassed to talk about. How yucky it was. Um, we got him as a puppy. I won't give all the story away. But he talks like, oh, I'm scared. Mommy's smelling funny and slurring. What does that mean? The boys are yelling again at mom. I don't like this. So the dog talks about what it sees. And I believe Hans, that's the dog's name, was our therapy dog. And it takes you through the path that we traveled, the ugly to a story of hope. And it's really a story about hope and resiliency. And also, like, if you want to know what grief really looks like, what people never tell you about, 
It's that. Oh, my sister said I should warn everybody there's swears in it. I'm originally from New York, so there are some F-bombs. <laughs> and, and get some tissues because it's, um, to me, it was important to write it to give people tools to help themselves grieve, give others to grieve. And I've had, it's, it's doing amazing work out there. It's available on Amazon and my website. If you want a signed copy, order it off my website and I'll send you one. Excellent. And her website link will also be in the show notes for this episode. Teresa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and talking about resiliency and coaching. I hope this is useful to everybody. I guarantee it will be. Thank you so much. Such wonderful information. I just love our guests and all that they bring to the show. Thanks again to Teresa Bittner for bringing your expertise to the show, Teresa. And if you want to know more about Teresa, if you want to grab those resiliency coaching questions that she offered, go to starcoachshow.com slash 297, starcoachshow.com slash 297. Grab that link for that giveaway. But also, grab the link for her website because she's got some great free stuff on her website, like a free resiliency and change ebook. She's got an assessment tool for the grief journey. Our guests just have the most wonderful resources. I I really encourage you to access those and connect with our guests even beyond the show. Teresa did answer a question for me that's going to go to the membership site that opens in August about her own resilience in the face of her resistance, her resistance to building the book, to writing that book and getting past, you know, that resistance that she was feeling. We can learn so much from how we've applied things to our own struggles. So stay tuned for that. Next week, I am interviewing Dr. Bill Torbert about transformational leadership, how inquiry and feedback can transform leaders. He's bringing in decades of research, very fascinating stuff. I encourage you to join us next week. And if you're enjoying the show, share it with someone. We are quickly approaching our 300th episode. I've got some great things scheduled for the week of August 8th of 2022. So if you're listening to this in real time, just a few weeks away, I've got an event planned for for the things that you need to really step into your greatness. So I'm going to have a live video series that week. The opt-in will be available next week. So listen for that. The 300th episode is the 300th episode. So I always like to do something special for a milestone episode like that. And I would love as many coaches as possible to be aware of these resources that I'm bringing forward to celebrate our 300th episode. So if you know of somebody who doesn't know about the Star Coat Show, please share it and rate and review wherever you listen. That's how the show picks up momentum. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler. I'm so excited to have been on this journey with you and to be continuing the journey. Take care of yourself. Have a great week and we'll see you next.